Welcome to Commercial Property Pioneers. Brought to you by Riala. Oh, hi all, it's Paul Norman, Managing Editor of CoStar News. Again, for the Riala podcast interview of part of the series. I'm here with Jeannie Wood from Callison RTKL, the Global Architecture Planning and Design Practice. And she's Senior Associate Vice President, Head of Business Development. I think that's right, uh, Jeannie. Yes, or, I, I have many hats. I wear many hats, but yes, that's my title. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, there's a few hats there, which is great. We can ask you about all of them. But um, <laughs> I, I wanted to just quickly start by really asking you how you've got to where you've got to. What's been your uh, journey in, in real estate and architecture and design? Yeah, so it, it's kind of interesting. I actually started my career in the technology industry and so did a lot of kind of engagement, client relationships. Can I hear a detect an American accent there? Is that, or have I said something wrong there? And it's Canadian. You, you're correct. It's American. Okay. So yes, yeah, so you started in America, I guess, as well. I did. I did. I started yes. in the Washington, D.C. area. Yes. And right. started in tech, a lot of telecom related stuff and did a lot of business development and sales and kind of client engagement. And then was recruited actually out of technology into the um, construction industry. So I was hired by the largest privately held general contractor in the U.S. to do business development. And through that, really got to kind of build my network and the market and then was recruited into Cushman and Wakefield to do investment sales. And uh, was a broker in investment sales for a few years, and then the market tanked. Was, and that, so that, was, was that in Washington? Was, was that in Washington as well? It's there? still in Washington. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then from there, I, 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 you know, I, I couldn't really survive because I was, I was working completely on commission, and I was new to the business. Hmm. So I looked for somewhere else, and an arc. I knew an, a head of an architecture firm, and he said, "Why don't you come work for us?" And so I did, and I really just fell in love with the architecture industry. So I was there for a few years, and then was recruited into Legacy RTKL, which is now Callison RTKL, and have been there for almost ten years. And uh, moved to our London office about three years ago. And, and that was just a opportunity that came up, or you, you fancy, you know, coming over here, or was there a specific? Yeah, so it was it was a lot of different things. So I was um, I studied international business in school, and I had always wanted to work internationally. And we wanted to continue to grow our workplace practice here in the UK and Europe. And so they offered me the position to come over here and help lead that process. And I was thrilled. And it's it's been a great adventure so far. So, so just quickly, so it takes to what that involves. Just to talk to what your role there is, and you know what you've picked up all, along the way that, that helps you with that. Particularly, kind of interested to know, sort of being an investment broker. That's really interesting. How that how helpful <laughs> that would be as well. <laughs> yeah. So I think all of the different parts of my career have really helped sort of pave the way to be able to to do what I do now. So it's really kind of an understanding of all the different segments within the real estate industry, which is helpful. 
currently what I do is, again, I wear several hats. I actually work on projects and I do billable work, which really is in sort of workplace consultancy and client engagement, stakeholder management, change management. And then I also then look after our practice area globally in terms of market growth and expansion. So driving revenue and making sure we're understanding and serving clients the best we can. Okay. Now, I want to ask you about part of that is working in sort of design space for occupiers commercially. Yes. I just wanted to, you know, talk to you about, I mean, I guess you kind of, as you say, wear many hats, you're kind of bringing together different people, developers, tenants, obviously the designers yourself, architects, to make sure, you know, projects work for everyone. Great to get your understanding of the dynamics between all these different parties and also you know how you help how you help within this <laughs> yeah so I, I this is what I love sort of about this industry I mean I think it's really an integrated approach right we all need one another and I think what I also love is that sort of the design and architecture field and and firms and designers are actually at the heart of that right sort of the touchstone so yeah. it's really our job to understand what occupiers, are wanting and needing where their businesses are going, and then kind of relate that information to the developers so that and, and guide them as well into sort of what's what's the occupier or the tenant going to want and desire. So let us help you dream and, and push that as far as it can go, but also make it feasible, right? And affordable. So, so it pencils out, if you will. So it's really understanding both sides of that market, of the occupiers and the developers, and then putting those dreams and wishes into reality by design. And it's just there's some good examples of ones you're particularly, uh, you know, working on at the moment or proud of in the in the past that would be, you know, where where it has worked uh, like a dream. Everyone has got their their dream come true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we we work a lot with big global multinational companies, and we're constantly being asked to, how do we innovate? How do we get better? How do we utilize space? What should we look for in buildings? And so, you know, a lot of times we help our clients find the building that they want to lease. And we do that by, you know, obviously really understanding their business and objectives. And we're currently working with a client where we've recently done this. And it was a lot of fun because all of a sudden, there's sort of a new parameter and dimension of what is wanted. So outdoor space, for example, is is really a key mm. trend that we're seeing, if you will. And, and then how can we design to meet sort of the next level of workplace, right? The next iteration of what the office will be in the future. So that's been a lot of fun. It's also been trying to find a highly sustainable shell and core, but also mm. then with the interior design meeting those objectives as well. So that means you're, you're, I mean, and this is where your investment broker passed. But you're, you're there at the beginning, even before they bought bought the building. You're kind of advising them. Well, that you know that maybe doesn't absolutely work for you when when they're kind of looking at what what's on their desk in terms of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's it's we are there really at the forefront to help them choose the building and mm. really understand the space. Is it going to be in, efficient for their program? So it 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 is a lot of sort of analytic you know, looking at the numbers to see if it all works out from all different perspectives. Obviously, and that's across all commercial 
asset classes as well, I guess, particularly retail and offices, I suppose. Or, or, or I mean, what, what are you particularly working on for people? Yeah. So for me personally, I work on office. So I am yeah. um, dedicated okay. to workplace. Mm-hmm. But our but our firm does does almost everything. So a lot of yes, I know that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, and, and offices, obviously, uh, we're going, you touched on it there a little bit in terms of outside space and what, what people are looking for and well-being and so forth. Obviously, we're in the middle of a, well, I don't think I'm enlightening you with anything here. We're in the middle of a pan- pandemic. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I guess you've had to think an awful lot about what the world looks like now and in the future as well in terms of workplace. We're really interested to hear what things in particular you're advising and working on that yeah i mean i i think you know i think the pandemic what it's done and and i think you've probably heard this before but it's really accelerated a lot of the trends we were already seeing in the workplace so we're hearing a lot about the hybrid workplace which is really Mm. the defining what it means to work partly in the office and partly remotely or from home and so i think we're going to see obviously a lot more of that employees are saying that they really like the flexibility, but they also want to get back into the office, but like working from home as well. And we also see employers really liking this aspect of having this flexibility and being able to then do some different things with their portfolio. So I think that's that's one thing that we're going to see a, a lot more of. Obviously, technology is going to play a big factor in that. We're seeing a lot of buildings looking at how can we become more frictionless so how do we not touch so much stuff? And I think what's kind of come out of that is a lot of smart apps being created that you can use on your personal yeah. device. So whether you're calling an elevator, paying for your lunch, or reserving a seat, you know, I think we're seeing a big trend in this area as well. Yeah. Uh, well, and is that particular thing you're, you're designing into? I, I guess there's, there's a lot yeah. less. I mean, just to say there's a lot less people doing things at this moment while they pause. Is that right to say pause for breath and try and work out what's happening? But in the background, they're, they're no doubt also seeking a lot of advice from, from you. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations are reviewing what they're going to be doing. We do a lot of analysis and surveying of our uh, for our clients, of their employees. And what we're seeing is, is obviously people are wanting to have that hybrid mix. We've talked to some clients that are looking at reducing their global footprint by 30%. And we mm-hmm. have the same amount of, 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 of clients saying, we're not going to touch our footprint. But both, and what we're seeing consistently through all clients, are saying the office is going to look and act and, and do different things than it has in the past. And those things are really going to be less heads down and focused work areas and more collaboration team and kind of innovating areas, right? So how does that how does that look in terms of design and what do you provide your employees in those offices? And that's what we're taking a hard look at now with lots of our clients. And is there any, I mean, I know all these things are quite sensitive. Is there any particularly interesting ones you could talk about here where, you know, the, you've, worked, we've, you've been working through that across an estate or a particular building? Yeah. So one of our large clients is a global communications company. We do a lot of work yeah. with them all over the world. 
And, you know, they're doing some really interesting things. They've always been on the front end and innovative with their workplaces. So they're constantly always trying to drive forward and be at the head of the pack. And that's for a variety of reasons. One is to continually innovate and support their employees in the best working environments, but it's also for recruitment and retention areas. And so what we see there is, again, this sort of analytic approach of how do we meet the desires of our employees, but also support the business needs of making sure they're, they're, you know people are productive and we're getting the innovation that we need. So I think they're looking at sort of different design standards. They're definitely looking at outdoor space. Um, how do we meet the demands of more electric bikes coming to the office <laughs> and and how do we how do we support sort of well-being and wellness in, in terms of amenities mm. that's a what great great line to work work with there i mean obviously you've got a global view on all of this with companies like them i mean are, are different countries doing different responding in different ways or different regions responding in different ways that you some ahead of the curve or others behind I, I'd be interested to get your view on that you know I, I think that's actually a really interesting question and and I think it can be answered a lot of different ways the one thing that I think I do see a, a big difference in is in terms of the US versus the UK um, mm. one option that's really standing out in the US is is this development of what we call spec suites. And that's sort of meeting this demand of sort of a shorter term lease for a smaller space that the landlord completely fits out with kind of a tenant in mind. So whether that's a technology tenant or a financial tenant, so they create, we design a space that will be attractive to that sort of tenant, but it's a different business model. So they walk in, the suite's already built, and it may be sort of a, a not at such a long lease as the traditional 10, 15, 20-year lease. Um, mm. So we see a lot of that in the U.S. coming up. I think in the U.K., uh, we're seeing, you know, I think the co-working spaces are, are struggling a little bit. We see what can we do, how, how can we turn offices into mixed-use environments, also retail into mixed-use environments. So I think that would be another really big uh, trend we're seeing everywhere, but I think specifically with our clients, we're looking at it in the UK more about how, how do we create these environments that's, that serve lots of different purposes to keep people there. To keep people there, so enlighten them. And uh, do you, can you, would you say that, you know, what we're seeing in the US there with what you call spec suites, we could, that could transfer because you've, you've seen that, you, you know, is that, is that something you can do, kind of introduce trends in other areas into other areas, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the benefits from working with a big global firm and and definitely sort of sharing all of these ideas and best practices and what other clients are doing because we can lend then that sort of global experience, but really focus it into to a regional expertise and, and sort of customize that approach to fit the region. So I think we're, we're opening lots of conversations with different clients. We also see clients coming from the U.S., you know, into the UK and vice versa. And we're, we're happy to help bring them along. And one reason we can do that, and it happens, is because we are sharing these sort of best, best practices and what works in each of these regions. Okay, and you mentioned there, you know, repurposing, you know, space, either old space or uh, retail. And to go in and retail, it's a global phenomenon, but in the UK, obviously, high streets have seen a lot of 
big names fall away and there's a lot of, they've been hollowed out a bit. I mean, is, is that other parts of your work or how you might rework retailers' offices or uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so in the UK, we are actually currently looking at a couple of different retail areas for clients. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of interest in build to rent, right? So, how do you t- how do you turn some of this um, this office and retail into into build to rent or into a mixed environment? And we also have a big department store looking at how do we turn this department store into office? And mm-hmm. they actually even have sort of a tenant lined up. So I think it all depends, obviously, on where you are, right? Sounds and interesting. It's a good on. story. Yeah, it's a great story. So hopefully it'll it'll take off. So yeah, yeah. but that's that's definitely things that we're looking at. And then there's definitely a, a sense that people think that department stores aren't that suited for you know, because it's so they, they go back so far and it's difficult to get dark and light into them. Um, mm-hmm. They're not suited so well to you know some of those functions, maybe an office. But I guess that's part of what you're doing, working out how how you can work around some of those issues, basically. And they're certainly well-placed, aren't they? They're always in a good spot in a high street. Absolutely. So that's one thing that we, um, you know, you just need a great architect. Um, and, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of opportunities there. So we have done some of those in the U.S. As I mentioned, we are looking at some here in the U.K. and hope to, to get those projects off the ground. But it's 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 possible, it just obviously depends on on how much there is in the budget to spend and, and sort of what you're working with to begin with. Okay. Now, I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about the way the world's changing. It's been, it's been a rough old year for lots of firms and people. What do you think are the big trends, one for a firm like yourself, that are going to come out of this and um, – and separately for the you know the real estate sector as a whole and offices, but um, I guess I'd ask you first about yourself. I mean, in terms of you know you know global practice like yourself, are there big opportunities here um, to grow and you know uh, or go into new areas? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously you know change always always allows for opportunities. I think you know uh, we're seeing a lot of movement in some areas of our of our business and obviously we've retracted in other areas of our business but are looking to how to innovate and to, and to re to rebuild i think as a firm we're we're we've done really well to weather the storm we made some hard decisions both you know in right sizing but also in in keeping um, people on and and really focused on great clients and great work so yeah i think i think we're looking uh, we have a great healthcare uh, sector, and we're looking to expand that. And, mm. um, but we're also, you know, continually to expand our residential practice in build to rent, and our workplace is is still really, you know, driving ahead. And just that, obviously, globally, you can, I guess, some areas are going to be recovering quicker than others, and you can, uh, you, you'll see that they can sort of mitigate other areas that are struggling more during this time. Um, particularly Asia, I guess, is kind yeah. of particularly doing well, isn't it? Um, I was just going to mention that. Yeah, Asia's on fire. Lots of opportunities, back productivity is incredible. Lots of opportunities and clients coming in, lots of projects. But we're also seeing a big pickup in in the US just very recently and and even here in the UK and Europe. So we're we're being we're really optimistic right now. We're seeing a lot of things starting to happen. And do, I mean there's a kind of cautious view that the second half of this year the vaccines will have uh, really changed 
things and, and a lot a lot of places will have opened up a lot more and uh, people will be feeling a lot more confident about various things. I mean, is that what you're building into your thinking as well? That there's going to be a, a stronger, stronger second half? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think from a personal selfish standpoint, I can't wait to go see my clients, right? I'm just yeah. ready to travel. Yeah. yeah. How much does that impact you uh, not being able to you know, get on a plane or see someone face to face as well? A lot, I guess, in, in your yeah, I mean, I think we've really pivoted. I think a lot of organizations have. I mean, travel was a big part of our business. I mean, going to see a project, seeing a site is incredibly important. We've we've learned how to work around that. But I don't think there's... Nothing's ever going to take the place of actually seeing, smelly, touching, feeling, talking directly, you know, with the client and the site. So I think we're all really looking forward to to getting back and, you know, in our ability to do that. I also think getting back to our offices, you know, is is really important to us. You know, again, we believe in the hybrid workplace model, and I, I think our business is going to, you know, is changing to to meet to meet that model. But the office isn't going away in our mind. I mean, we it's so important for culture, for training, for institutional knowledge transfer, and really just for socializing. I mean, I think through all of this, we really realize that we like each other, our coworkers and our clients, and we want we want to see each other. That's that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I guess that I'm really interested to hear the hybrid office. How's that going to work then? I mean, that is that the big trend you you foresee for the office sector out of, coming out of this over the next next few years? Um, really interested to hear. I guess that's a mix of a kind of city city HQ to go into every now and again, a, a hub somewhere for people, and working from home occasionally as well. Is that is that the way it will work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it can play out lots of different ways. Uh, I think the basis of the definition, though, is yes, working remotely part of the time and being in an office part of the time. Some people will continue to do what they've they've done. Their offices will still be their office, but they'll work from home one, two, three days a week. Other organizations are looking at moving to more of a hub and spoke model, which is having sort of a headquarters and then smaller spoke offices, if you will, in more suburban locations to make it easier for their for their employees to come into work, but not having to make the long commute into the city center, for example. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what are the other, I don't know, just to ask you, other trends um, you think, you know, certainly there's a lot of views that, you know, there will be a drive for Towards offices that offer more, bizarrely, more space for less people, if you, if you like, in terms of because people want more space when they're in the office uh, offices. Is that is that another another feature of things? Yeah, I think again, I think that sort of incorporating outdoor space into yeah. you know into current offices is going to be really important and something that employees really want. I think this focus on wellness and well-being again has been a trend for years, but it's really highlighted now. And I think that's more than just great HVAC systems and, you know, access to outdoor space and so forth. I think it's it's really about creating emotional and, and physical safe spaces and really happy spaces. Um, How do you taking... do that? What's the best way to create a happy, a happy space? <laughs> well, um, CRTKL has actually developed a methodology and, and a process that we call the Happiness Ecosystem Index. Wow. Um, okay. And so yep. 
This is taking the five truths of happiness and working with your employees to really understand how they define happiness and then applying design strategies to incorporate so that the built environment is happy based on the definition what of the five truths of ha- five truths of happiness um let's see the five truths of happiness are meaning vitality freedom engagement and delight okay that sounds right to me <laughs> um and uh, and um and so how what would you say the key ways to uh to ensure you've got that in your space uh, as a occupier landlord well, I think it's really important to in, to engage um, with with the employees and understand uh, what's important to them and mm-hmm. what the different areas of each of these five truths um, speak to them. So again, we have a, a process that really connects um, the people and the pathways and the places, and that really creates this happy happy environment. Okay. Um, if you if you would well, you you are all the time, but when you're talking to your clients what what are the what are they saying to you we need out of our space now what's the, the top thing um would you say top thing i i think it's it's really about how do we meet the new needs of the office moving forward after you know current post pandemic so our people are not going to be coming to the office to do their heads down focus work all day long anymore. So what are the areas that we provide to them that will support their teaming, their collaboration, their meeting, their innovating? What does that now look like? And and how do we create the right mix of that space to meet the demands and to support our employees to make them as productive and happy as possible? And just to ask you about architect, just with the architecture hat as well, we've got a question here is, um, you know, what are the key trends just in terms of, you, you mentioned a few things, but if you're for architects now in terms of occupiers of commercial property, do you think? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? Uh, we've got the key trends, um, you know, architecture-wise, when you're looking at these buildings, commercial property buildings, um, now, is there any others that we haven't touched on? Do you think that really important? I think I'd love, to, I'd love to hear about a recent project building of yours as well, where where you've sort of done something like that, where it's sort of very much up to the minute. So I think there's there's a big uh, project um, that we're working on, and it's it's um, repurposing and renovating um, a large office, and it's now becoming a very mixed use environment. Mm. Um, so there's, there's lots of retail, there's office, um, there's residential and, but there's also this sense of connecting to the community. So there's outdoor plazas, um, there's the ability to have outdoor markets. And so it's, it's really pulling in the community or the public at large into this mixed use environment, but it's also, um, having, you know, office and, and residential. So sort of day tenants and and 24-hour tenants so it's a yeah, really nice building, yeah yeah and that's so that idea of also it's open to the rest of the sort of shuttle from everybody around it who lives in the local works in the local area as well not at all it's right it's a very sort of open community welcoming um wanting people to 
to to gather and to share experiences and and being able to offer sort of an amenity for the community in terms of outside art or a yeah. play area. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, oh no, I wanted to ask you so as well. Is International Women's Day was this week, um, and obviously you're a senior woman in uh, real estate. I just wanted to ask you what your experience has been like, and if you've got any advice to our female listeners about, you know, a career in in real estate and how you go about it, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was very uh, sort of touched and humbled and inspired by International um, Women's Day this week. I think it's really impressive to hear all the stories. I know our company took a took a really good look at it and, and celebrated the women within our organization. Um, I think there's still work that needs to be done in every industry, and that's very much in the real estate industry. Mm. I think in architecture, we've done a great job in terms of um, sort of uh, we're very diverse, but we're not as diverse in our senior levels as we need to be and and that we should aim for. And I, and I think that's something that um, is a big focus for a lot of firms and, and ours as well. And, and just to ask you, I mean, has there been any particular people who've inspired you along the way as well, and you've learned from? Absolutely, I've been I've been really lucky to have some incredible women as friends, as mentors, as champions, um, and and I think hearing their stories and and being able to relate and to understand that sometimes there are different challenges uh, in your professional career. Uh, that you'll face. And so to see someone that reflects you um, going through that or at a higher level, I think gives you hope and ambition and motivation to get there. Um, I think, you know, you asked me about what I would um, recommend to other, you know, advice I would give to other women. And I think the biggest thing for me is to, you always want mentors but the biggest thing is within your organization and even outside of it, you need a champion. And those are two different things and they can be two different things. Um, a mentor gives you guidance. A champion is is on your side and is going to put you forward for bigger and better opportunities. So it's really important to find a champion. Okay. Good advice. Um, now, we, <laughs> we tend to have here, with, we always have with this uh, podcast, some, um, some quick fire questions you can can talk as long as you like but um about them but um they are um you know quick questions about looking at things that sort of might give us an insight into what makes you tick basically i think um so the first one is what's the best book you have read about real estate or business and why um i'm gonna i'm gonna take a little bit different course here i think the best book from a business perspective, was actually Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, <laughs> which is from the right. 1930s, but it's still probably yeah. one of the best. <laughs> why is that? What's, I, mean, I've never, never, I know the name of him, but uh, what, why is that? Um, I, I think it, it's, it breaks it down into really, really good advice. Things like, you know, quick, you know, be quick to acknowledge your own mistakes. Um, be generous with praise to others. Remember other people's names. Um, make people yeah. feel important. So it's really just about connecting with people and how you can do that. Okay. 
Okay, good. Well, I'll look out for that one then. Um, what's the most overrated advice people have given you about working in real estate and architecture? Yes. I don't know if it's overrated, but I will tell you when I first entered the industry, it was very confusing to me, which was I kept hearing, know the market. And it's true. It's, it is good advice. You need to know the market. But when you first enter an industry or you're fresh out of school, someone needs to define what, what that is. What is the market? What do you mean by that? Um, and so that's that's what I would say is is sometimes the market is a confusing. It's that's a really big place. So so what does exactly does that what, mean? What does that? Yes, no, that's a good <laughs> a good one. Um, what's the best part of working in uh, real estate and why? For me, it's the um, it's the relationships you build. Um, projects can be long um, relationships can really build. And and that's been sort of my favorite part of the real estate industry. When I was in tech, you know, you're in and out in 60 days in real estate. These are years and years and years of of relationships. So I love that part of it. Okay. Reverse then quickly. The worst part. (laughs) The the relationship again. Um, Maybe (laughs) timesheets. Right. And, what do you mean by uh, that? Time, time you have to. Uh, so, yeah. in, so, in, so in architecture, we're we're all billable, right? So you, oh, so you right. have to always constantly fill out your timesheets for your to get the to the right billable numbers. Um, <laughs> but besides timesheets, I would say, yeah, if you're on a challenging project, it, it's it can be a long project, and so that can be a long time that you're facing a lot of challenges. So that would also be. Yeah, and obviously you you've got to see that at the moment uh, where, where things have obviously been put on hold and sent off course and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, it's been, been, uh, been difficult for that. Um, and if you, final question, if you weren't in your job at the moment, uh, focused on design and real estate and so on, what other ca- uh, career path would you have chosen? Would you, would you be back in tech? Or do you think you still are in tech? I don't know. I, that, yeah, I do think I'm still in tech, definitely. And I think mm. we're moving more and more towards that. Um, every company, I think, is a technology company at this point. Um, but no, I don't think I'd go back to tech. I think if I could have my dream job, I would be a on-air host for like a luxury travel TV series. Wow. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, um, yeah no, that, that does sound good. So I mean, kind of like going and visiting... I love to travel places and uh, incredible. There's a good, good program on last night on the Shard where my office is um, amazing hotels around the world. I don't know if you've watched, watched that. But, um, I didn't, but I will check it out. That's exactly what I love to, to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, well, they better watch out then, they? the people who host that, I would think. Um, well, all I can say is thank you so much for, uh, for joining us, Jeannie, and good luck with everything going forward. Great. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun, Paul. Thank you all for tuning in to the latest Riala Commercial Property Pioneer interview for our series. You can listen to this on the app of your choice. And it was recorded on the 12th of March, 2021. Thanks for listening. Check out Riala, the number one commercial property portal in the UK on riala.co.uk.